instead of forcing my will or imposing my will, how do I set it up through pressure and relief to where that horse naturally wants to fall in line with my will? From Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Feel. I'm your host, Caitlin Hurst. Goal at the end. In my program, what I've tried to do you know, I have degrees and certificates, and then I, I mean, I have these pathway certificates where it's like, okay, I'm coming to TVCC, what do I leave with? And one of the things I've really tried to do is, is align it with, here's a need in the industry, you come get these skills, I'll help you meet that industry. And so one of the biggest ones is starting Colts. So the entire first year at TVC, that's what we do. I try to help them, kids that want to get that industry certification to be TQA certified, you know, to, to pass that test. That's what we do all the first year. And then the second year, it's it's training and selling horses to the public. So there's a huge demand for starting the colt, and then there is a huge demand for an all-around performance horse that you can sell to the public, right? I mean, say, say if, it doesn't even matter what it is. I don't care if it's mounted shooting or 4-H or team roping. If you can say this horse has enough confidence that he can fill in for an inexperienced horse owner, there's a market for that horse. And so that's what I do is I work with each of these students individually and, and help them put together a business plan. And we actually have horse shows that I put on. And uh, so they get practice showing and, and uh, preparing a horse for sale. So that's the second year. Is that the trying to market and sell a horse between that 7,500 and, and 20,000 for an all around performance horse. And then another thing that I have included in that is day work. There's such a a demand for qualified day workers. And so we take these colts and I run, help run 500 head of cows up by Jordan Valley. And we take field trips up there and, and uh, just give them the experience of what it takes to actually, you know, take a horse and go do a job on a ranch. So, yeah. Wow. What an accomplishment for your students. So in that second year, is it a whole new set of horses? No. So the first year they actually start, and this has been something that is the colt starting deal that's been so awesome. So when they first start, we do it when, like, so say the first year in the fall, they'll start with just an older horse. And I'll go through everything, all the score sheets, all the, we'll just go through an old horse to make sure they have all their correct muscle memory, vocab words, all of that. And then during the winter, we have boosters that bring in horses and they give a booster donation for us to start the horse. And so they'll start one in the fall, I mean, in the winter, and then they'll do it in the spring. And both of those are different horses. So they'll kind of start from scratch. I'll help them. And then the second year, when they go take the industry test, they have to do it all by themselves. And then the second year, they bring in their own horses. But kind of what, what we've ran into a little bit is some of these kids, you know, because we're doing reining and cutting and we do a lot of, you know, kind of, I go through my dad's cow horse, cow horse confidence, that Western horseman book. That's actually one of our textbooks. We go through the Ed Connell books. And so some of them horses, they're just so green when they're riding their horses. And we're doing a little bit more of these advanced stuff. Well, I, what they end up riding some of my horses, honestly, I, because I mean, they, some of them horses, as far as I have the confidence to take them up to Jordan Valley and brand on them and that kind of stuff, you know, in relation to confidence, either the horse needs to fill in for the person or the person needs to fill in for the horse. And sometimes in some of those classes, the horses that the students have, they're just green and the kid is green. And so, yeah, I let them use a lot of my horses for that. Is there something you see in your students consistently that maybe is a hurdle for multiple people or they struggle with a bit, or maybe it just takes them a little bit longer to learn? You know, um, honestly, as a whole, the biggest thing 
in the students would be the honestly the work ethic is showing up. I mean, if I was going to say one thing with the kids, that that would be it. I can't tell you how many kids that that are capable, but they just don't show up and they don't try. So that would be the biggest hurdle by far. I mean, I've had as many as 30 kids that show up that want to do, and it just blows my mind the amount of kids that come here that pay. And I don't know if just their their parents are paying for it or or what, but it just blows my mind to pay to take a class and then not show up. And so I think that's the hardest thing is in my program, they have to feed their horse. They have to take care of it. That's part of their grade. I run my entire equine program. They're like, like they're working for me. Basically I've brought the TFTC LLC business philosophy here and what we do and their grade reflects like someone is paying me $800 to train a horse and they're my employee working for me. And so, and that's the hardest thing. That's the biggest hurdle by far is the work ethic that it takes to come to class and ride and do that. I think by far that's the biggest hurdle that both of my students have. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> and that's the sad part. I have people call me, you know, all the time looking, hey, you got any good students? And that's why, honestly, I have my degrees at TVCC. I have a pathway certificate at TVCC. And that's why I created my own industry certificate. So I could personally put the stamp on the students that I would personally certify to go train horses for the public. And I only get about, honestly, two or three a year. I've had as many as 30 students, and there's two or three students a year that I'd say, yeah, I'd hire, which is sad. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, you know, that's something I've heard from multiple trainers as they're looking for assistance. They just, it's hard to find people with that kind of work ethic, even when they're being paid for it. And that's like, so in my, in my industry certificate, they work for me here. And then I have them go work for, I call it horse training boot camp. So they got to go work for a horse trainer full time for two months and, you know, pick the pins and do all the fun. And I think that's the thing. I think that's the hardest thing for kids is they just have never grown up working. I think that's the hardest thing. And that's why I have so much of the, the work experience and that kind of stuff. You have a kid that's never played football before. And maybe they're out of shape and they don't really have the skills. And then you throw them in a football game and not very long at all, they're going to be exhausted and want to quit. And and I feel like that's really kind of the stepping stone that I try to do with these students is give them a taste to help equip them because the demand is definitely there. I know I have horse trainers call me all the time and they're looking for someone to come work for them. And that's, you know, what I really try to help these kids. And it's been fun to take those kids and help direct that, you know, to, to a job. Mm -hmm. I was reading through your website and some of your educational materials, and something that comes up a lot is this idea of perfection. Can you tell us a little bit about that? When you talk about perfection, what do you mean? Yeah, the foundation for perfection, it's eliminating the resistance from doing the job. And so perfection's, I mean, unattainable in the sense of, like when I was riding a bronc, I'd always try to picture the perfect bronc ride, and and I never rode, I never made a perfect bronc ride. But I, I think that's the goal. You know, I always feel like if I'm striving for doing it correct and I fall short, well, then I'll be, you know, kind of mediocre instead of, you know, just trying to barely get by and then following a lower standard. And I guess really where that comes from is really being a follower or a disciple of Christ. He's perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. But the more I look to Jesus and he's my model that's perfect, and I'm going, okay, oh, what would Jesus do? What would, I mean, how would that operate and really allow, really through my new birth in Christ, being born again, allowing him to live through me? I think that's the goal is 
okay, how do I reflect Jesus? And so that's really where that ties in is what does that look like? And no, we're never going to achieve it. But the focus of the foundation for perfection is eliminating the resistance. So what does that look like in practice when working with horses? The the focus of the foundation for perfection, there's three causes of resistance and there's five things to eliminate resistance. And so such a huge part of it is communication. And so there there's, you know, I teach there's two different parts of a horse. They, there's the body part, the physical part, and then there's their soul, which makes up their mind, their will, and their emotions. And so that's really where I need to try to influence their will. They have a will of what they want. And so through influencing their will to have their will come in line with my will, I can influence their mind and their emotions until their body starts to move and come in line with what I want. What happens is where we get in trouble is when we try to force the body instead of influencing the soul. And so it's all about alignment, right? I mean, in training a horse, you know, which is everything that Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt, my dad, it's that philosophy is instead of forcing my will or imposing my will, how do I set it up through pressure and relief to where that horse naturally wants to fall in line with my will? Does that make sense? Yes. I, I call it, in my classes, I say that the traditional thought process and the alternative thought process, the traditional thought process was how can I force the horse to do a job? The alternative thought process, which obviously stemmed from, you know, Tom and Ray and that is, you know, make the wrong thing difficult and the right thing easy. And so, yeah, it, the the perfection is when there's unity, right? True unity, willing communication. I mean, that was Tom's book and Think Harmony. When in those brief moments where when I want, think, and feel comes in line with what that horses want, thinks, and feel into, like Grandpa used to say, those are my legs, my body. And then it comes by and it'll be in a split second. There was unity. Whoop, now we're off. And then coming back. And I think that's the deal you know, whether it's a relationship with the Lord or whether it's training a horse. And I can't separate the parallels just because you made comment before just some of the health problems I had. I had some health problems when I got in high school, and that's really where I started to understand more of the horse parables when the Lord kind of started to reveal those or teach me those more through kind of scripture. It's like, oh, that's applying more of the Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt philosophy to my faith. So one thing we have to talk about is your family. You come from a long line of horsemen who have changed the way that we work with horses. I think most people are familiar with their methods, and if they aren't correlating it back to the name, then they're probably using the methods and not even knowing that they are. So tell us a little bit about that, and are you still using a lot of those approaches in your program today? Like I say, the overall philosophy is, I mean, everything that Grandpa does, the and then the day-to-day, I mean, practically, I mean, everything I do is right what I learned from my dad you know and so that's really when I did my master's and this is how I explain it I tried to bring a scientific component to everything I thought I saw growing up I mean I was so blessed to be just immersed by just the very how in that environment of, of how to train and how to do it and I've changed quite a bit I guess a little bit the the ultimate goal is the same how I go about it is different because I have anywhere between, you know, eight and 30 kids and we're starting horses. So here's would be probably the biggest difference is like growing up, dad would, you know, he'd rope them and, you know, put a halter on them and we'd saddle them and we'd get on them. And then in two or three rides, we'd be going outside. But dad actually kind of would do quite a bit of the, the prep work 
and then we'd get on them and be going. And, and I, when I first started, and even grandpa would do that, he'd take them tough horses and rope them and get them all ready and flag them and then prepare them for the person to get on. Then they'd get on them and go, he'd do that a little bit too. And, but if I got to realize, man, these kids, if I don't teach them how to do that, I'm not going to be there those first five rides. And so that was probably the biggest change is learning to teach it better and so anymore, I had to really check myself when a kid had a problem instead of just grabbing the halter and doing it to just slow down to go, how can I, if I'm not going to be here, how would I teach this so that they could do it by themselves tomorrow? You know, and so, so in doing that, I slowed down a little bit as far as what, what we normally would have done at home. Does that kind of make sense when you got a green kid? Yes, it does. You know, I think with horses, slowing down is the answer a lot of the time. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. Are there any horses from your past or your present that have left a significant impact on your training or your life? So it's funny. It's not like I've, I've always been in the business of getting a horse started and giving them to someone else. Does that kind of make sense? It's just that's been an area in my own life where I don't have that many because I've always been in the business of training and selling horses to the public. But I will say this. Every so from the time I was in high school there, I'd let, I'd have start big groups of horses, right? And so when I left home, I went to like Texas, I went to Kentucky, I went to Oklahoma, I started a bunch of horses in Montana, and I'd start big groups. Hardly ever, if I started one horse, it was either eight or ten. Very rarely was there less than eight horses when I was starting a horse at a time. And so it was interesting in that I would go start a group of horses, you know, between eight or 10. And there was always one, there was always one horse. It seemed like that whatever I was doing, and it could have been one or two, but whatever I was doing, it didn't work with this horse. And it was just interesting. When I would leave, I was always thankful for two reasons. I was always thankful for that one horse because I learned more from that one horse than I did the other seven or eight. And I was always thankful that all the horses I started were not like that horse. Otherwise I wouldn't be a horse trainer (laughs) anyway. So, so those are the horses throughout the years that I, I appreciate the most. And I'm just saying, I start so many that I run into those and it's hard to to pinpoint one or two, because it seems like in every big group, that I start, there's always that one that really makes you stop and think and go, okay, what do I need to do different here? So those one or two horses in the group that are a little bit different and need an alternative approach, is there something consistent about all of them? Are they kind of similar or are they all over the board? So usually one of the things that that I teach with with the three causes of resistance is it's a lack of communication, fear, and resentment. Those are the three main causes of resistance. And by far, probably the biggest one is the resentment, um, what I call false teaching, that someone else has trained them to do behavior. Does that make sense? So like they put pressure... You have a horse that's never been touched. It's pretty easy. It's pressure and relief. They turn, they seek you. But most of the horses, so the common denominator would be someone else has already trained them to be resentful. Does that make sense? Whether they were trying to halter them or bridle them or saddle them, by far, like I, I get horses like that all the time. I had a reputation where they'd say, well, we're checking to them or we'll take them to Wade Black. And so I would get those horses that had been through two or three other trainers. And instead of fixing it up, pressure and relief, fix it up and wait to where like I do, 
foundation temperament task completion, their temperament wouldn't be ready. They wouldn't have a foundation and they'd be trying to accomplish their task, the task completion. And then they would create these horses that would be extremely fearful or extremely resentful that say wanted to kick or bite or strike or just buck or stuff like that. Anyway, so that by far would be the most common denominator would be a horse that someone else had worked and had caught him that had brought that out in him. So before we move on to a rapid fire round, I'd like to touch on your three factors of communication. I believe you mentioned them, feel, timing, and balance. We'd love to hear about them, but given this is finding the feel, talk to us about feel and how you develop So feel, what I've tried to incorporate in my program, like I talk about the science, the art, and the business. So I grew up with, here's a, there do you feel that? There do you feel that? I didn't matter if it was Tom, whether it was grandpa, or whether it was my dad. I was constantly surrounded around people that wanted to get better with their horses. So they would go and I'd hear, there do you feel that? And the person, you know, whether it's my dad or my grandpa, the person would like kind of smile and nod with, you know, and you could tell they didn't really know what, what they felt right. And grandpa went, there, 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 you feel that? And they'd be like, uh-huh, yeah, kind of nod. And then you knew they didn't know what just happened. So what I've tried to do is what is there? What is there? And I've tried to name it and define it to where what I find, I will teach a vocab word. So I'll say like stage one with willing submission. Stage one is when the inside front foot stops and all the other feet move forward around it. That's the definition of stage one. Willing submission, the definition of that is when the slack is, you know, uh, after initial cue, the horse does the job on a loose rein and no leg pressure. So there you have a definition. And then we'll watch a video. So we'll say, here's the video. So now we have a definition of it. And then we have a picture. So we'll watch a picture of a horse stopping the inside front foot and walking all the other feet forward around it. And they take the slack out of the rain and they put the slack back in. Oh, so I, I have, here's a definition. Here's a vocab word. Here's a definition. Here's a picture. Like I said, I rode Bronx for years, and I was a huge fan of mental imagery and muscle memory. So sitting in a classroom, not while you're riding a horse, ah, here's a name, here's a definition, here's a picture. And then I'll have some of these kids that are struggling, I'll have them go jump on one of my horses that already has it. So they'll jump on and they'll go, oh, that's what that feels like. Then when they get the cold, they because they understand the science better, Science are things that are testable, observable, and repeatable. I find that they they develop the art faster, which was where you'd feel. I mean, feel, you have to know what you're feeling. Does that make sense? So once I can feel stage one, that inside front foot and all the other feet move forward around it, now I can develop the timing of giving my rein back to them. Does that make sense? And then the balance where I have my weight and how much pressure and relief I give that horse. Well, too much pressure, not enough pressure. And I, and I feel like that's one of the things sometimes that's missing is because sometimes people don't necessarily understand the art behind, I mean, the science behind it, that they're trying to develop the art through feel, but they don't know what they're feeling. Like, I think that's what's unique about my program and what I'm doing. I can kind of carry on the you know, what my dad and what my grandpa's done. But the fun part is I get to have these kids for so long that it's just, I have the time to teach the vocab words to help them develop them to where they can expand, where it'd be hard to do what I'm doing if I just had a three-day clinic. 
think there's going to be a lot of us, myself included, trying to figure out how to enroll in TVCC and your class. Actually, I have an online class. An online class. Actually, I'm doing this term, actually. Yeah, anyway, so. Very cool. All right. Time for the rapid fire round. What would you say your specialty is? What's your trainer superpower? Oh, my gosh. My trainer superpower. Uh, <laughs> I would say maybe the research behind it. I guess that would be kind of what we talked about, the, the science behind it of kind of incorporating that into to what I do, kind of filling out the score sheets and kind of helping that. What is your favorite thing about horses? Uh, what they can teach us, I guess, that, that would be my part and really how they can help kids. You know, I, I love my grandpa so much and he's had such a huge impact on the entire equine industry. But my grandpa used to say that he was there for the horse and not the person. And I, I, I'm kind of the other way. I, I'm there for the, the person probably way more than, than the horse. And it just blows my mind that kids and kids getting positive direction or negative direction, how close a kid that is influenced in the right way, how, how that can shape them. And so that's what I love about horses is that they can help people, you know, find direction. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success? I'd say my faith time in my prayer closet. That's one of the things I really a big heart of CCF is helping these kids get in their prayer closet and just develop and cultivate that relationship with the Lord through spending time in your word and spending time praying and seeking him. And my wife, by far. I, that is huge. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever been given as a horseman? Oh, man. You know, it's funny. I, I actually saw that question, and I was as I was going through that, there's so many... I, there's things that just ring through, you know what I mean? Like my dad has a really good one. It takes pressure for relief to be effective and relief for pressure to be effective. I, I think of that one all the time because it's so applicable. And I mean, even just there's those those things that are kind of timeless. You know, my, my grandpa's famous thing is, you know, make the wrong thing difficult and the right thing easy. You know, stuff like that. I, I think those by far, uh, those two right there, I think you could take horses. And if you just had those two, you could... uh you can get pretty far with those two right there. I think so. What advice would you give to anyone looking to improve as a horse person? I would say knowledge. So do do your research, get the information, and then practice, you know, and then try to in, improve off of that. One of the things our mission statement here at TVCC is, is um, producing successful students. And one of the things I teach all my students is, the definition of success is the achievement of something desired, planned, and attempted. And so I think if you're starting out trying to train a horse, is those desires as far as what you want to do, get around other people that have those same desires. So if you're wanting to be a team roper, go get around that. And then, you know, you try, you got to put together a plan of what it takes to be successful. I feel like a lot of kids, they have a desire to go do something, which is a seed, but it's kind of the law of the farm. They don't plant the seed and water and gain the, the knowledge and get to shoot until you're finally producing fruit. And so the, I think that I call it the law of the farm is, is your desire, plans, and then attempts. And sometimes when you attempt to go do whatever you're doing, sometimes it doesn't work. And so to not get discouraged and, and really understand the law of the farm of it, if it takes time for that seed to eventually be producing fruit. All right. And we can find out more about you at trainingforthecross.com and on Facebook, Road to the Horse this year in Lexington, Kentucky in March, and tvcchorseproduction.com. Anywhere else we should look for you. 
Uh, no, that's it. And if there's anyone out there, I mean, we're a college program here and have sponsors and stuff and all that's on the website. We have a, we have a stock horse team that we're I'm trying to build and uh, offer scholarships and stuff like that. So if there's, we have a stock horse team, we have CCF that we give uh, basically food for the kids. We try to feed them and try to give money for guest speakers. And then we're trying to build, oh man, our facility here. And so if there's any sponsors out there that that want to give to projects as far as finishing barns and stuff like that. So there's different ways to give to the program in, in different ways. If there was any sponsors or anyone that wanted to give any donations anywhere. So you can find the links to all of those mentioned opportunities in our show notes at findingthefield.com. Well, thank you so much, Wade. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you, Caitlin. I, I sure appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of finding the field. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook to join the conversation. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app to catch the next episode. And if you've enjoyed this one, please share with a friend. It's very much appreciated. Until next time.